Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We're in the second week of our Ask Anything series. So we've been taking questions by you. We're going to answer some more uh, this uh, morning as well. Um, I'm Jody Ross. I'm the Director of Women's Ministry, so I'm going to moderate today. We have our distinguished panel up here this morning, <laughs> so let me introduce them. Uh, to my right is Pastor Don, our lead pastor. Next to him is Pastor Tim Milner. He is worship leader, the leader of worship. Um, our youth pastor is next to him, Hunter Headley, and down there on the end is our growth pastor, Mike James. So, gentlemen, are you ready? Do we have a choice? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, we're ready. Maybe. <laughs> All right. First question. What does the term worldview mean? Okay. Yeah, jump in. Worldview. Worldview. Um, we, we mention worldview every once in a while, but we realized we didn't really maybe answer this, which is why this question came up. Um, worldview is the lens we use to look at the world around us. It's kind of how we make our, our decisions. It's our beliefs. It's our opinions. It's how we see things and how we judge them. Um, and worldview is formed um, by our past, certainly by our parents. The way that, that we are raised will have all sorts of values and things that we have in our worldview. Um, our experiences, it's um, things like uh, how we were educated and then for some of us, as we go through things, maybe there's some trauma or some deep things that happen in our life, and that's going to affect your worldview. And again, the worldview is, again, the, how, you, how you see the world, how you make sense of it, how you're trying to equate things. Um, maybe to help illustrate that a little bit, we're going to do a quick exercise. We're going to throw up on the screen here 20 words, okay? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you just a short bit of time, 20, 30 seconds. I want you to start looking at those words and seeing if you can put them into categories, okay? You're just categorizing them. What categories would you create to organize these? So, go. Still thinking about it. We'll give you a few more moments. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right. You probably have some idea how you might organize a little bit. Um, again, how you look at it is going to be determined largely by your worldview and your experiences. So, for instance, let's say you grew up um, along the coast you would probably look at this list and say, okay, some of these things are land-based, some are water-based, some are both, and then you got spiritual stuff, okay? Maybe that's one classification. If you grew up in the majority world and you grew up in a place that was poor and food scarcity was a major issue of your life, you would look at this as things you can eat, nature, 
spirit, and people. Okay? Most of us have a Western worldview, which science speaks largely into. Okay? And so for most of us, we're going to look at this list and we're going to do some things like humans, animals, plants, inert stuff, stuff that's not alive, and then maybe spiritual. If you approach it with what we call a comprehensive biblical worldview, which is looking at all of Scripture and letting that form how you look at it, there would actually only be two categories, God and everything he created, okay? Most of us probably didn't look at it that way, okay? Most of us have this other thing. And so the whole thing about worldview is over time, we need to be working to change our worldview to be more this comprehensive biblical worldview. And that's going to take some time and effort. Yeah, so one of the things we wrestled with when we started this is do we just say, well, we want to have a biblical worldview, but that can be twisted as well, right? Because we could take things out of the Bible that we like and start cherry-picking biblical things that don't actually add up comprehensively. Or we could say we want a Christian worldview. Well, that doesn't even make sense because that word doesn't mean what it means to a lot of people anymore, right? That, that word has changed over time, and people can call themselves Christians who have no allegiance to the Lordship of Christ whatsoever. So we want to say comprehensive biblical worldview, Genesis to Revelation, this is how the story of God plays out. This is our part in it. This is his revelation to us. So we have a worldview, and I'm going to show you a few things on the screen that uh, we base our worldview on. These are common questions. These are existential questions that most of us have asked at some point in our life. And uh, Christianity, I believe the Christian worldview is the only one that satisfactorily answers every one of these. Check this out. Number one, where did we come from? That's the question of origin. How did we get here? Kids ask that from the time they're, they're we, right? They just ask, where did we all come from? It's a basic human question. Number two, what is the purpose of life? Are we just random blobs of chance that have no particular purpose, or we have to kind of find our own purpose? Or do we actually have meaning? That, that gives uh, worth to our days on this earth. Number three, is there a God? And if so, can he be known? So this is a question of relating to the divine. Many people have in their mind a concept of God. Unfortunately, in our broken and sinful state, we kind of make God into our own version of whatever we want him to be like. And that's, that's going to be problematic for us. That's a great question to ask, though. Is there a God? Can he be known? Number four, are there absolute truths we must live by? In other words, whether here or in faraway places like Lyman, I mean, does it matter how we live all <laughs> over this world? Is there some way that we must live our lives, particularly in regard to, to sexual morality, um, to the value of human life, and so on? Are there absolute truths? Number five, the big question, what happens when we die? That is the question of destiny. Is there a way that we can know what waits for us on the other side of the grave? We believe, of course, there is. Jesus gives us a good answer to that. That's a question of destiny. Number six, how do I decide what is important to me? We as humans have the ability to order things and arrange things in our lives according to value. Well, this is very important to me. This is not so important. That's not important at all, whatever. But how do we decide what is important, what relationships are important, what priorities, what uh, possessions, whatever it be. That's a value system that we place. And number seven, how do I decide to treat other people, including my enemies? And this is the question of dignity, dignity that is part of being made in the image of God, the sanctity of human life. And so how is it that I might disagree vehemently with someone, 
about a certain issue or how we are to handle things, but I still treat them with dignity. And I'll throw a little aside in here about this. In our country right now, we have political discourse that is, well, let's just say very excited at this time. Do we not? <laughs> uh, I'm a Canadian, so I can speak freely to this, right? Uh, it's all over the world. But how do we disagree without being uh, total bad people about it, right? We can have a difference of opinion. We can have things that we believe are morally right and wrong and yet not be degrading to other people. And that comes from our worldview of how do I treat my enemies? And we're going to talk a bit about that later on today. So this is so important. Everyone in this room has a worldview. You, you can't not have a worldview. You may not have thought about it systematically or written it out, but we all have one. And so it's really important because it's a filter for all of our life. Every decision we make 24 hours a day is based upon your worldview. And, and we answered this question first um, because the questions today are all related to worldview. Um, they're pretty tough, practical questions. And how you're going to look at them is all based on how you look at the rest of the world. Um, and one other thing about worldview, it's largely set by the time that we're about 12 years old. That's what cultural anthropologists will say, but it can change over time. And some of that change is just the influences you allow in, right? Um, let's face it, the things that we watch, Fox, CNN, whatever it is, the music we listen to, all of that over time can affect our worldview. And sometimes we even pick what we want to listen to based on our worldview. We want to find things that match up, right? And so we have to be careful with that and make sure that we're checking it against Scripture, the whole of Scripture. So before we move on, just to clarify, we want a comprehensive biblical worldview. It's a mouthful. All right. Is there a conflict with science and the Bible? All right. <clears throat> this will be easy, right? Uh, the short answer is no, but it's not as easy as that, is it? Um, let, me, let me try to put it this way. Uh, when we're looking at what the Bible says and pure science, and by that I mean uh, the scientific method, histography, actual science, the repeatable and the observable, right? When it comes to that stuff, there's not an ounce of it that disagrees with what Scripture says. In fact, uh, Christians are who kind of started pursuing science to begin with because we saw God's creation as great, and we were told about it in Scripture, and we wanted to see it and observe it ourselves. So we started pursuing science. Christianity is the one that was a leader in that for many, many decades, or hundreds of years, I guess I should say years, hundreds of years, um, millennia, there you go. Um, <laughs> but the problem is, especially in today's day and age, it's no longer just science, right? It is science charged with an agenda. And unfortunately, most of the time, that agenda does not agree with what Scripture would say. Uh, and that's a hard thing to really talk about uh, because if you it, they make it seem as if you're denying one you deny all of it when in reality there are so many things that are talked about in science that are not fact uh, it's a theory for a reason right uh, the theory is not yet proven as law thus it is not a law and, and that's where this uh, starts to get a little bit hairy because there are millions of people who have put millions of dollars into making sure something is taught as truth, as fact. And there is entire 
curriculums built around theories and things for your teenagers and your children so that they can hear something that is not fact taught to them as it were a fact. And there's, this goes on and on to even today when we talk about uh, COVID here in a little bit, and thank goodness I'm not answering that question. But uh, when, when we talk about COVID, there's a lot of guilting going on, particularly from the science community. And the truth is that it's all theory. There's a lot of agenda in all of it. And so the hard part, the hard way to answer this question is no. The Bible does not disagree with anything that science proves. But yes, it does disagree with a lot of the agendas that science seems to be pushing nowadays. Um, I used to be an engineer for a long time, and so science is kind of part of my, my worldview and my thought process. And one of the things that was in science that pulled me to God was pie, <laughs> right? Not this pie. I love pie, though. But um, pie, the number, 3.141527, and it goes on, right? Um, and as an engineer, um, there was a lot of things that that number pie solved in mathematics. You're going to eat my pie? That's mine. <laughs> Get your own, guys. Plan ahead. Um, there was a lot of things in science that, that pi solved, and it could be used to represent a lot of things. And so, as an engineer, I just saw it as this amazing, eloquent solution that if everything was just random, it wouldn't work. And so, to me, it showed God's divine order and that all of creation spoke of God. I think one of the things about science is that it was never intended to make moral judgments. It relates to the natural world facts, uh, but it has often been used in recent history to make moral judgments and to say that things are right or wrong or uh, things that are true and not, and that's, that's very dangerous. We have to be discerning about that when it comes to science. All right. Are we good? Oh, I have a, I have a scripture. Okay. I have I a scripture. You... I should read some Bible passages to go along with this because Jesus is supreme over all of creation. In fact, we're told different places in scripture, Jesus is the person involved in the creation. So we, we talk to Jesus and he is our creator. Check this out from Colossians chapter 1. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who will rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So we see in this passage that Jesus is intrinsically involved in the creation. He actually is the one holding all of creation together. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, science and the Bible do not conflict in the truest of sense. All right, next question is, I'm trying to understand creation and evolution from Genesis 1. Did man and dinosaurs live together? I think the simplest, 
I think the simplest answer is going to be just yes. Uh, let me show you why. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, we, we see creation. We don't see evolution. We see creation. And the Bible tells us that God created all things. And specifically on day 6, he created all the land animals, which I believe included dinosaurs. God designed and created them fully functioning, uh, designed to do what they're created to do. Um, and what's interesting about that is you always uh, wonder, okay, what was that like, you know, to, to be maybe Adam and Eve with dinosaurs? And uh, I don't know. I have no clue. We don't know what that was like. But uh, it's interesting when you follow the, the progression through Scripture because you've got to ask the question, well, what happened to them? Well, by the time we get to Genesis chapter 6, God's speaking to Noah, and he said, I've decided to destroy all living things, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. And so we know uh, from Genesis that God sent a great flood, which if, uh, if you read that passage, if you know that story, you know that God put animals on the ark, two by two, male, female. Uh, we don't know if it was all the animals. He's God. He got to select which animals got on. Uh, could some of them have been dinosaurs? Absolutely. Uh, I'm guessing probably... Uh, maybe eggs or babies or adolescent, probably not full-grown dinosaurs, but God knows what he's doing. And uh, the reality is only two of them made it on the ark, so that means the rest of them were drowned. They were wiped out by the flood. They would have been covered up by tons of mud as the rampaging water would have covered the land. It would have uh, maybe made mass graves. You would have seen all kinds of these animals uh, buried under just layer and layer of rock as the mud would have formed into rock in, in time. And uh, it would have preserved them as fossils, which is exactly what we find in the fossil records. Going back to science and the Bible uh, actually agreeing with each other. But uh, were there any dinosaurs after the flood? Well, I think there, there were. And the reason I say that is because through the Old Testament, we see the word dragon used several times to describe some animals. Uh, we, we say, well, that's not dinosaur. Well, dinosaur wasn't even a word until the 1800s when they found the first fossil. And so back then, I could see where the ancient people would have called them something different, like dragon, something they were familiar with. Uh, but I, I also see in Job chapter 40 where God's describing to Job who lived after the flood, uh, he's describing this amazing, incredible, impressive animal that God has created, and he calls him a behemoth, and he says that he moves his tail like a cedar tree. So I don't know about you, but that doesn't really describe any of the animals we have now. It sounds more like a dinosaur to me. So the question is, where are the dinosaurs today? Well, the simple answer to that would just be they're extinct. They've gone extinct. It would have taken a lot to keep them alive, to keep them around, and and, uh, and yet every year we have animals go extinct. You know, in 2020, we actually had a certain type of bat, a salamander, and this really, really ugly fish called a smooth hand fish that all went extinct last year. Did you hear that? Did anyone hear that? No, we don't, we don't hear about it. But yet species go extinct every year. And I think this is exactly what happened to the dinosaurs. And what I would just say is that God, who is the creator of all things, including the dinosaurs, is the judge of his creation. He decides when things start and when they finish. All right. What does the Bible say about the race issue? So this is definitely a worldview question. How you view the world around you, um, how you view people. Is everybody the same? Does everybody have value? Um, and bef before I dive into it real quick, some of the questions that we're, we're covering today are, are a little tough. And we may give an answer that you don't agree with or you don't see. Um, we would prefer you not just leave. We want to talk to you about it. 
Um, this is meant to be a dialogue. And while we have worked on these answers and we've prayed about it and everything, we're still not complete experts on everything. So we'd love to talk to you about it and maybe we can figure out if our views all mesh together or not. Okay. So what about the race issue? Um, Using a comprehensive biblical worldview, we would say that every one of us is created in God's image, that every one of us has value, every one of us is worthy of his love, every one of us has the possibility of salvation. We, we all each have to make our own decision for it, and nobody can judge or determine who gets to be saved and who doesn't. Um, in Galatians three twenty six to 28, the Apostle Paul said these words, he said, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and all have been united with Christ in baptism and put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And he was talking in terms of conflict that was happening in a church and, and calling out that it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, Roman or Greek or anything, we're all one in Christ. Peter had an, had an event where something similar, the Holy Spirit talked to him and showed him a vision. And in Acts 10, verse 34, Peter basically said, I see very clearly that, the God, that God has no favoritism. So the simple, easy answer is God, God in the Bible says race is not a deal, that we are all the same. The reality in our world is a little different. The reality is that we have a brokenness, and it affects how we look at things. Over the last two years, race has really come to the forefront. There's been a lot of things that have happened that have made us look at it and maybe ask some questions. And some people might even ask, you know, is, is racism that they're talking about now, is that the same as racism in the past and things like that? I had some wise advice from a spiritual mentor a long time ago who told me, that when there was an issue that made me uncomfortable or emotional or angry, that that was a good sign that there was something going on in my heart that I had to examine. And so with this race issue, if that's just talking about it brings something up into you, I'd say, we need to explore that. We need to kind of work through it a little bit. Is racism and bias still around? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every one of us has issues of prejudice and racism and bias. The question is how extreme or what group? And the way I can say all of us have it is we are all broken. We all have holes in our worldview that we need God to step in and to solve. Uh, we've been here in Strasbourg for about four years now. And I can say a couple things about this, even in Strasbourg. I know that there are folks that treat my Ethiopian sons differently when they find out they have white parents. I know that there are times where I hear people saying slurs about a different group, making racial jokes, um, uh, saying things about property values because a certain ethnicity is moving in the area. Um, I've been warned of places in town to go to or don't go to because of immigrants and illegals and ignorant people and whatever. And by the way, those things have happened here in this building. So our church is not exempt from having that 
whatever happens outside comes in as well. And we need to address it. Um, is there racism? Yes. Is it a sin? Definitely. The sin of racism and prejudice and bias is all about our heart condition. It's about our pride, about judging others. It's about um, maybe judging somebody as not worthy. And we have to work on it. And it's going to take time. We cannot solve this without Christ. Jesus is the answer to help us through this. There are times that we talk about the early church, um, kind of the beginning of, of the book of Acts. And one of the things about the book of Acts is when you really peel it back for a few moments, the churches that were being started were home churches. They were often in somebody's house. Um, back then, we didn't have a middle class. There was high class and there was low class and poor. And usually there was somebody from the higher class, maybe a little affluent, that would open up their home to be a church. And so people would come, but it would be a smattering of the whole demographic of people. There would be craftsmen and artists. There would be day laborers. There would be poor. There would be widows. There would be orphans. There would be different people from different ethnicities, and there would be slaves and servants. And they all could come together for time together. And it was a radical thing that was going on because basically they were all coming together to eat together, to share a meal. And they would sit at the same table. And back then, the culture was, when you sat at the same table with somebody, you were at the same peer level. You were equal. And so part of Christianity was kind of removing a lot of these different lines that were there. Did it always go well? No. Uh, the book of Romans and First and Second Corinthians are examples of the fact that it didn't go as well as it should have. But that was the goal. That was the intent. And that was where the heading. And that, that's where Paul and that... Galatians verse we read was talking about. That's where we should go. And so we need to be of the same mind and heart here. We need to be breaking bread with others, being willing to form relationships with people that are different than us, and allowing the Holy Spirit to peel back the layers of the onion of our hearts to show us those holes we have, those biases that maybe we don't realize we have, and be willing to change to be transformed about it. One of the things I'm really excited about is we have been praying and exploring starting a Spanish-speaking service here at MVF. Not a separate church, but just a, one service that Spanish is being spoken. And that's, again, just so that we can be united and one people. I'll say a word here. If Ryan was here with us on the stage this morning, I know he would want to point this out on this one, that in heaven it's God's desire that there will be representatives from every tribe and tongue and nation on this planet. And that tells you God's heart is for the people. It's for the lost people all over the world. And, and who are we to ever discriminate against anyone? We are no better than they. We all need God's mercy. So it's humbling for us to think that we're going to be in heaven with every tribe and tongue and nation. It's a beautiful picture, really. I would also say that, uh, you know, the cure to all this, as Mike said, is just Jesus. You know, it's just uh, growing in our, our walk with Christ and, and learning to love as he loves us. We've been forgiven. We've been loved to such a great degree, and he asks us to turn around and do that for everyone around us. And I think this is one of the greatest ways that we can shine a dark light, or a light in a dark, dark area in our society, in our culture. And so uh, I just want to encourage you, keep doing that. Keep loving the people around you. And... Uh, 
let's be Christ to the people uh, that, that are moving into the area, that are part of our community, uh, maybe that have been pushed to the outside. And so let's, let's make sure that we're being Christ to them. All right, switching gears a little. Is there a religious exemption for the COVID-19 vaccine? Switching gears a little. I like that. We're like jamming gears tonight is, is what we're doing. We're, and hopefully you guys understand we're, we're bringing your questions in and we're doing the best that we can to answer them. We want to give you guys answers um, from, from Scripture, uh, this comprehensive biblical worldview that we're talking about. Now, before I get to the idea of a, a, an exemption, let me just tell you, I think a lot, I want to make sure we, we make this distinction because this helped me. And so I, I hope it helps you. But I think for many of us, when we're talking about our country and the changes that are going on and mass mandates and the vaccine and all, all the stuff that's happening right now, I think for many of us, the frustration and, and anger, call it whatever you want, what we're feeling, that turmoil that we're feeling inside is coming from an American side. Uh, we were raised with this idea of the Constitution, and the first ten amendments uh, of the Constitution make up the Bill of Rights, and, and it's that idea that we have free speech, and we, we can bear arms, we have freedom to choose our own religion, we have due process, we can own private property, we, we can limit our government uh, as the people. All these things are, are spelled out, and, and so we are raised, um, if you were raised in the United States, with this idea that you have these rights. And so when, when they are infringed upon, I think when, that, when we bow up, when we start to flex on these things, it, it comes from the standpoint of being an American. This is my right. You can't tell me how to live my, my life. As, as Americans, we're raised with this individualism. And that's where that's coming from. Now, with that being said, let me tell you, I believe there's another side of this. Because we are not only Americans, but first and foremost, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And, and we have pledged allegiance to him, and we are following him and his precepts and his, his uh, example. We're trying to become more like Christ every day. And in that, let me just read this. Romans chapter 12 gives us some instructions. It says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to, to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And so as disciples of Jesus Christ... This is that, that comprehensive biblical worldview. It has to override our, our, our Americanism, our, our American rights, right? And so before we go off and lose our religion over protecting our rights, we need to be, be aware of our witness. I don't want us to lose our witness because we're trying so hard to reserve our rights. Now, am I saying don't fight for your rights as Americans? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. And actually, in Scripture, it tells us that we're supposed to stand up for truth. We're supposed to call out lies. We're supposed to stand up for the oppressed and care for the orphans and the widows, and it goes on and on. And, and uh, I think the Constitution was actually written out of, out of biblical foundation. It, it set a biblical foundation for our country. But there, I, I think there's something bigger going on. I know the question had to do with the vaccine, but let me just go off on a tangent just for a second. Um, the, 
the vaccine, I think, is just scratching the surface. See, I think there's something bigger going on here, not just here, but worldwide. I think there's certain groups that are utilizing this, they're capitalizing on this to grab control and power and money to reshape uh, our economic and our political structures. I think there's, a, uh, there's an attempt to control the minds of the next generation. There's a lot of things going on. It says in Scripture that, that Satan works in the minds of those who refuse to obey God. If you don't see that in the world around you, um, we're missing it. I, I do think, and I'm not saying that Satan is doing all of this. I believe there's just, there's just some wrong decisions being made, but I, I think Satan is definitely using it against God and against his church. And uh, because it wasn't like we didn't know how to handle a pandemic. We've done this several times. We did it, Spanish flu back in 1918 into 1919. Uh, we did it with the polio um, you know, p pandemic in 1949 into the 1950s. And, and they know how to handle these things. And, and my point in all of this is that I think this COVID situation needs a medical solution, not a political solution. And somehow this has become political. And so here we are, we are dealing with, you are going to wear a mask, you are going to be vaccinated. If you want to keep your job, you have to be vaccinated. And so now as Christians, trying to hold to a, a comprehensive biblical worldview, we're struggling with, well, what do we do with this? How do we handle this? First of all, I don't want you to lose your mind. I want you to understand, God has already won the war. We're just fighting the battles. Right on? Are we on, are we on that? Okay. So... Secondly, I want you to make sure that whatever you decide to do, that you're consistent with it. You need to be consistent because you can't say, well, the Bible told me that I can't take this vaccine and then next year you go get the flu vaccine or the polio vaccine or whatever else is out there. It, you have to be consistent with it across the board. So with all that being said, as a church, we teach you to follow your conscience as it's informed by the Word of God, as you spend time in prayer, as you, as you listen to the instruction of the Holy Spirit to do what is right. We also teach the biblical sanctity of human life, the fact that we believe that abortion is the shedding of innocent blood. So let me get back to the question after all of that. Is there a religious exemption for COVID-19? Here's my answer. You ready? Maybe. And the reason I say that is because of this. If you review the CDC guidelines, position statements, if you take a look at the way the vaccine was researched, derived, how it was made, um, some of it was done using aborted fetal cell lines. If you view this vaccine as ingesting or injection, however you take it, if you're benefiting from this, this product that's derived from or using aborted fetal cell lines, then you may have grounds for religious exemption. Is that clear as mud? Okay. All right. Last question. How do we overcome the division and hate that seems to be overtaking this world? The easiest answer is that we don't overcome it. Jesus does through us. And I want to just pick up on the passage that Don read and finish the rest of that passage because it speaks to exactly this issue. Our world is incredibly polarized right now. There's hatred and division everywhere. And believe it or not, in America, we have it better than almost anywhere on earth right now. There are bad things happening, like in Haiti and things. But we have to understand what's going on in the world. Here's what it says in Romans 12:17: Never pay back evil with more evil. I think that's 
full stop right there. You don't fight fire by throwing more fire at it. You don't fight hate by hating back, right? We as Christians live in an upside-down kingdom. And, and just follow the train of thought here. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's just so countercultural, isn't it? We, we get our backs up, and here, I'm the Canadian talking to Americans. This is fun, right? But we, <laughs> this is human nature. When someone comes against us, our natural instinct is to fight back and to do a one-up on them, right? Uh, that is exactly counter to the way of Jesus. We, we don't fight evil with more evil. Uh, we don't fight hatred with more hatred. Uh, there's a famous slogan that's going around today regarding our president right now. You've heard it, right? That's not for Christians. We should never be part of that. It's, it's, not, it's not fitting. It's not respectful. So that's, that's a short answer to how do we overcome division and hatred. We need to put on the mind of Christ. We need to let the Holy Spirit fill us and, and be light in a dark, dark world. That's what we're called to be. All right. Anything else? All right. It's all you. Guys, we, uh, we hope that this is beneficial to you. I mean, we, we've done this a couple of times where we take your questions and try to craft uh, Sundays out of just answering your questions, and we want to make sure that this is informative. As Jody and Mike have both said, I mean, if you want to come talk to us for clarification, because I'll be honest with you, um, it, these are tough tasks to try to answer some of these big questions. Answer racism in six minutes, go, right? And so here's, here's the other problem that we have as pastors, what we pray about all the time, is that our heart is hurt in this as well, that... The heart of Christ is, is kind of flows through this, and that's hard to do. It's, it's like sending a text message and trying to explain a very complicated situation. It's very sterile, and so just in a few minutes, it's very difficult for us to do that. We hope that you're understanding our heart behind this, and our goal is that you would uh, remain strong in Christ, that you would grow in your faith, that you would seek that comprehensive biblical worldview, because we know that that's going to help you, not just today, but as you move forward in life. And so... That's our goal. We hope that you'll uh, just take that as a challenge today.